You are listening to Take It Easy with Thorvi. Hello everyone. Welcome to the show that takes you on the swelling storm of AI hype with clear-eyed facts and bold opinions. I'm your host Ashwini Thorvi and you're listening to Take It Easy with Thorvi. In a world where AI is booming with hype and misinformation everywhere, on this show I'll be your guide through this almost dizzying landscape of tech and AI, separating fact from fiction. We'll break down complex topics like machine learning and natural language processing into bite-sized pieces anyone can understand. I'll also draw on my own experiences as an AI specialist to decode some jargons and clear up some common myths. You should expect vivid metaphors, fun thought experiments and even some wild demonstrations. <laughs> But I'm not just going to make it all about technical explainers. On Take It Easy with Torvi, we'll dive deep on the human aspects as well and figure how these technologies are interacting with society and culture i'll share some stories from thriving ai ecosystems what's it really like to live and work alongside artificial intelligence how is ai being applied for social good we'll explore it all at the same time i'll switch gears to deliver hot takes bold predictions and even controversial topics about the future of ai you might agree disagree or even be downright provoked but that's what this show is all about having meaningful debates as we navigate through this technology by the end of this episode we'll step back and view the landscape of ai with fresh eyes will be better equipped to separate hype from reality use ai as a force for good and shape the future with thoughtful discussions so plug in settle back and get ready for a wild ride this is take it easy with thorvi where no ai hype is too hot for us to handle You have probably seen those wacky viral deepfake videos where someone's face is swapped onto another person's body. They are quite good for some laughs, but what if I told you deepfake tech could actually help you land your dream job or stop a sneaky scam caller in their tracks? Now that is useful. In this episode we'll explore the surprisingly practical ways deepfakes can be applied to enhance careers, foster creativity and even bolster trust if developed ethically. This stuff is about more than just memes, but we'll also take an honest look at the alarming dangers like like disinformation campaigns and fraud and all of that. I share stories and insights you won't find elsewhere to reveal the real deal on deepfakes. My goal here is that by the end you'll be this really cool AI guy or girl everyone turns to for an informed nuanced take on this controversial technology. 
you will also be able to spot the next deepfake hoax and understand how to use deepfakes responsibly. So plug in, get ready for an eye-opening ride as we navigate the good, bad and ugly rising from the world of deepfakes. Let's dive in. All right, let's break down what deepfakes are and how they work there and how they actually work. Um, at the core, deepfakes leverage a cutting edge machine learning technique called generative adversarial networks or GANs for short. Here's how they work their whatever magic. <laughs> so from now on, I'll just call generative adversarial network networks as GANs, it just is easier. So what it does is the process starts by feeding tons of videos, images of a target person into the GAN algorithm. We're talking hundreds and thousands of data samples. The GAN then studies all these visuals and analyzes, you know, facial expressions, speech patterns, tones, everything that makes the person visually and audibly kind of unique so armed with this you know intimate kind of knowledge gan then generates brand new synthetic media that kind of convincingly impersonates the person it's learned to kind of mimic them right down to the smallest ticks and inflection if you can believe that it's quite crazy so there are different types of deep one is face swaps one is face swaps so face swap seamlessly grafts a person's face onto somebody else's body like you know steve buscemi's face on jennifer lawrence for example and the second one is lip syncs um you know lip syncs make it look like someone is saying words they never actually spoke imagine obama rapping eminem lyrics <laughs> so Puppeteering uses only audio of a target to animate a still face image simulating video. Um, voice cloning creates realistic speech in anyone's vocal tones using just text inputs. You, you might have seen, you know, there are a bunch of platforms where maybe Morgan Freeman can say whatever you type. I've seen some really convincing deepfake firsthand. There's this notorious Obama video that many assumed was real at first. Um, it took forensic analysis to confirm its fakery. So in summary, deepfakes leverage AI generative models to create fabricated, tailored media impersonating real people. The outputs can be eerily convincing if created skillfully. Okay, now that we've got a grip on what deepfakes technically are, let's look at how they're being used for good or for worse. I'm sure you've seen those viral videos of politicians or celebrities saying stuff they've never actually said. Deeply concerning. And don't, don't even get me started on the gross misuse of deepfake porn. Not okay. But there are also creative frontiers opening up 
for example, visual artists can utilize deep fakes to resurrect actors in new films or create digital doubles. You might have seen this, a deep faked Luke Skywalker return in The Mandalorian. Researchers are actually exploring using highly realistic AI voices and avatars for customer service bots or voice assistants. It makes the interaction feel more natural and personable, of course. Also, for media training, deepfakes can anonymize patient data by generating an alternate face or an alternate voice. This expands the educational this expands educational resources while also protecting confidentiality. Looking 10 years down the road, I expect deepfakes will get even harder to distinguish between reality as the algorithms evolve. But hopefully, ethics and oversight evolve in parallel. So, deepfakes are already spreading in every direction like a splitter of realities. Guiding them requires vision. More to explore next on the potential perils emerging. All right. I know we've touched on some risks already, but this segment but in this segment we are going all in on the potential perils and ethical quagmires of deep fakes. Fair warning, things are about to get intense. The most frightening use of deep fakes is spreading disinformation at scale. Imagine a convincing fake video of a politician declaring war going viral. It could cause public panic and, of course, geopolitical chaos before the hoax is uncovered. Sophisticated deepfakes are also, you know, enabling dangerous scams. A deepfake CEO could, quote-unquote, order employees to wire vast sums to scammers. A synthesized voice could spoof family members, for example, asking for money. On the reputation front, deepfake porn and abuse using someone's face without consent causes lasting trauma. We desperately need protections. So what needs to happen? For starters, lawmakers should require watermarking or disclose labels on synthetic media. So the guest that I'm bringing on in the next segments is going to have a great idea around this. So stay tuned for that. Coming back to this, um, platforms must also act swiftly against harmful deepfakes. But legal solutions won't suffice. We all have to become more critical observers and verify media authenticity before reacting or sharing. I've seen this, I think, a million times. Um, as you may already recognize by my accent, I come from an Indian heritage. We are so into, you know, WhatsApp forwarding and stuff like that. So every few days I see my mom or my partner's mom sharing some video which isn't really real I know that it is a deep fake so it's so easy for people to get fooled by these you know expect deep misinformation in upcoming elections if guided ethically deep fakes could let us enrich 
entertainment, education, of course, and art in groundbreaking ways. But we have urgent work ahead to prevent misuse and harm. So are we ready for the next segment? Here, I'm going to bring in a special guest. So stay tuned. Um, Ajay, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Could you please introduce yourself to our listeners briefly? Uh, hi, Ashwini. I, I'm delighted to be here with, with you and your listeners. So I'm Ajay Kari. I'm the VP of Market Innovation and Transformation at Meltwater. I'm a born and bred Londoner, now living in Dubai, with nearly two decades of experience working with AI-driven communication technologies. So, you know, the emergence of synthetic content, you know, deep fakes, generative AI and the like, you know, they're very much part of my interests, as is their propensity to be used for good, but also how they can be used to generate falsehoods in the form of disinformation and misinformation. Thank you for your introduction, Ajay, and welcome to my podcast. So could you tell me a little bit more about the company you're working with, how, like you mentioned, disinformation and misinformation is relevant to us today? I'm happy to. I mean, our roots at Meltwater are in media intelligence and, and social analytics. And you know, now we harness the world's data in real time to produce insights for our clients that help them achieve a range of tactical and and strategic goals right so we do that for nearly gosh i think it's you know 30,000 organizations globally from fortune 500 companies to to governmental and non-governmental organizations to agencies and entities of all shapes and sizes so you know making sense of opportunities and and threats in the information environment has been our raison d'etre and what we're concerned about is this acceleration of falsehoods proliferating across the internet. And that's also supported by a recent survey carried out by the Pew Research Center saying that mm. people see exactly that, right, as a major threat, you know, in fact, only second to climate change. So disinformation, which is the deliberate spreading of false information, um, yeah. and misinformation, which is the inadvertent spreading of inaccurate information, they really go hand in hand when we talk about doctored images. So deepfakes can actually have a very corrosive effect on information integrity. Yes, it was important for us to dissect what disinformation and misinformation actually meant. Sometimes people kind of get confused between those. So my next question is, what do you think are some of the alarming ways deepfakes are you know, potentially being misused as our technologies advance? Yeah, I think it's probably important to call out some beneficial uses of deepfakes as mm. education devices and, and for therapeutic purposes in terms of giving voices to those who have, you know, lost their ability to speak through illness, for example. Yeah. And, you know, you, you also get those culturally ambiguous examples, you know, for instance, mm. you know, hyper personalization of marketing efforts. And a, and a few weeks ago, the Washington Post reported that deepfakes were being used to give voices, you know, to, yeah. to children to effectively tell their story mm. but the application of deep fakes overall is is really heavily indexed to malign content and malign intent right so in fact back in i think it was 2018 u.s congress actually recognized that deep fakes could blur the line yeah. between fact and fiction i mean take a breath on that for a second right <laughs> i mean it can you know undermine public trust and reshape reality so you know for today I'll call out four examples, you know, the undermining of democratic processes such as elections, social engineering scams, 
financial market manipulation, and perhaps the most notorious of them all, deep fake non-consensual pornography. And if I may, I'll, I'll start with that. Yes, please. So, yeah, you know, Sensity, which is a company specializing in AI-powered identity verification, they mm. carried out some research in 2019 and found that over 95% of deepfake videos at the time were pornographic and, of mm. course, disproportionately targeting women. Yeah. And the latest numbers suggest that that's increased ninefold. And that's because AI technologies used to create deepfakes have grown and have been somewhat democratized, right, or made more accessible. So, for example, photorealistic face swapping these days is only an yeah. Apple way. And open source models allow developers to tweak that code. And before you know it, you have these deep fake non-consensual intimate images. You know, and experts such as Hani Farid and Henry Ida, they've been really vocal about this. You know, non-consensual yeah. deep fakes destroy real lives and relationships. And you actually don't need these things to scale to cause serious personal damage and reputational harm. And Henry, you know, quite rightly, he points out that we're at this critical moment with generative AI and societal norm setting. I don't remember the name of this platform. There's this platform available where if you can send in your original image that was used for one of these deep fakes that you did not approve of, they can actually retract the original or, or retract the deep fake that someone has posted of yours. That's something that's really interesting, which I would like to sort of research on a little bit more. Um, but that's something that's really cool that I think is or was needed. So let me ask you my next question. I feel we've got so much information right now and we need to take a little bit of a breather and reflect after all of that. You mentioned the three um, examples. Are you going to talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to pivot to, you know, deepfake's influence on democracies. I mean, we've got elections coming up around the world in in 2024 yeah. and you know they're already being dubbed the ai elections or the deep fake elections in relation to this huge surge of misleading yeah. or, or outright false you know images and narratives yeah. wrapped up in, in synthetic content right so hence again we return to this scourge of of disinformation and, and misinformation you know did the president really say that you know did the yeah. candidate for political office really promote misogyny and yeah. you know, people are not necessarily going to know what the truth is what to believe you know which also mm. means that if a political candidate really did say something controversial or, or hateful mm. they could refuse and say they were victims of, of deep fake technology and that's a phenomenon known as the liar's dividend yeah, uh, and with regards to to scamming, which is you know one of the other examples I wanted to give to you, a CEO of a British energy company transferred around, I think it was a quarter of a million dollars to a fraudster, you know, Jeez. after being successfully duped by an AI generated voice masquerading mm. as a senior colleague from another con you know country mm. with a request. And there are other types of social engineering scams, right, closer to home, such as parents being caught out by computer generated voices of their children asking for. Yeah urgent monetary help or, or, or AI generated yeah. that allow scammers to bypass face ID yeah. Yeah. and access that personal data on your phone, right? So I think if we make that even broader, we can also anticipate more financial market manipulation through AI generated images. So for example, the, the photo of the Pentagon a few months back that claimed yeah. it had been, of course yeah. it hadn't. 
right? Yeah. But this particular image was closer to a to a shallow fake, you know, than a deep yeah. fake. It had some telltale signs that it had been artificially created. Nonetheless, there was a brief but not trivial impact on the stock market. And the better that deepfakes technology actually becomes, combined with so many opportunities to amplify messages without fact-checking, then we can likely see more compelling forces and even bigger impacts on, on the economy, right? So ultimately, the greater the volume of deepfakes that are introduced into circulation, including, you know, innocuous ones, like the one with the Pope in a puff yeah. of you know, right? The, <laughs> the, the more the public, right, the more the public yeah. will, you know, sort of hesitate to trust, yeah. which creates challenge for you know businesses seeking to connect with their customers or, or health mm. officials trying to protect the population or open societies trying to function through constructive discourse etc yeah well um i also remember where they did one of these ai edited images of trump being arrested for example anyway moving forward what responsibilities do um platforms, lawmakers, and the public have in ethically steering this kind of technology away from misuse, do you think? Yeah, I mean, thank you for the question, because it's such an important one. I see three main intervention buckets, you know, sort of, so to speak. And and the first one is is self-regulation from a platform perspective. And an obvious example is for search engines to be more discerning about returning search results for, let's say, public figure's name, plus the term deep fake, right? And and there's a strong call for technology creators to prohibit deep fake materials in their terms of service. You know, but I think the challenge here is that that's all well and good, right? When you're talking about malicious content, but realistically, as as generative AI is deployed, there'll be other types of legitimate computer generated content. So a wholesale exclusion, you know, ultimately is impractical. But TikTok is going another way. I mean, they seem to be proactively trialing a way to help creators label videos that contain AI-generated content, which is certainly Mm. a step in the right direction in terms of making viewers, you know, aware of what they're seeing. The second bucket is lawmaking. And there's been such a groundswell in recent months and years across the world. I mean, just a few weeks ago in the US, the Federal Election Commission advanced a petition to regulate deepfakes in political campaigning. So we'll see next year whether, you know, Trump-esque fake imagery like the (laughs) ones that you cited earlier on is going to be used. This is near enough the time that the White House brokered an agreement with leading AI companies to build disclosure into their generative AI tools. You know, in the UK in June, the government announced is planning new legislation to crack down on online financial scams uh, and they anticipate much of this is going to be using deep fakes going forward the eu ai act which many think is the most progressive piece of legislation on the subject is going through various approval motions in europe and it's effectively a risk-based approach to the deployment of ai technologies and many are calling for deep to be labeled as as high risk though Actually, I think at the moment, deepfakes are currently regarded as limited risk in the framework, yeah. and therefore creators will have fewer governance obligations, though I suspect yeah. I suspect that the, the grading may change. And if we move over to Australia, I mean, the Online Safety Act allows the eSafety Commissioner to issue a removal notice for abusive content, you know, oh. which may be a building block to incorporate deepfake regulation in the near future in that region as well. So we've still got a way to go. I mean, none of these examples talk about the global south. For example, but it but it's smooth. 
And the final category, very quickly, is, is media literacy. So, you know, the idea behind media yeah. literacy is that we're taught, preferably, though not exclusively at an early age, about how to spot signs of manipulation in the media, be it editorial, social, or other forms of AI-generated content. So looking out for the telltale signs of deep fakes, such as facial asymmetries or robotic disjointed audio or pixelated yeah. blurry image quality. If we can yeah. critically assess what we're seeing, we're less likely to be swayed by disinformation, misinformation. Makes sense. Thank you very much. I think it's important. I think it's a lot easier when a visual image is kind of in front of us for us to just believe it because it's so visual, right? So it's really important, I feel, for people to understand, for us to understand what are these signs visually as well, which I think is a really cool thing that you brought up. So about interventions, a few months back, there was a call from many people to pause AI development. What do you think about that? Where do you stand on that? I'm a big fan of the work that the Center for Humane Technology is doing. And one of the most powerful claims is that when you uncover a new class of technology, you start an arms race. And without taking sufficient responsibility, that race ends in tragedy. So as a broad statement to begin with, I do think that the concept of minimal viable product is is dangerous when it comes to this type of AI technology, because it gives creators the license to deploy a technology without adequate work done to control the consequences of technology. So whether it's through regulation or coalition-based self-regulation, you know, we, we simply need to have higher standards before we onboard society without actually checking that the seatbelts work first. Perfect. Thank you. We are almost approaching the end of the interview, Ajay. So my last question here is, looking ahead, maybe 10 years, how do you expect deep fakes detection tools and policies how do you think they'll need to evolve as you know technologies grow more advanced detection of deep fakes is a really interesting proposition Mm. but currently it's just lagging behind the rapid rollout of ai tools and and the content itself is becoming increasingly clever just in avoiding detection So instead of trying to detect fakes, I think we need to turn the problem on its head. And what I mean by that is we need to start watermarking authentic material at source. So content creators who define themselves as good actors stamp their work with like a a cryptographic seal. And, you know, perhaps the kind developed by C2PA or the Content Authenticity Initiative. And this limits that content being used out of context for disinformation purposes and makes it markedly different from deepfakes that won't have the same authentic fingerprint. And of course, you know, we'll need widespread adoption for success to be viable, but, but it's certainly a, a promising idea. I think ideologically, we also need to resolve the tension between free speech liberties and the much needed protections against harmful and misleading content without yeah. viewing it as autocratic censorship, right? So yeah. in, in the US, for example, there's no federal law currently that criminalizes the creation or sharing of non-consensual deepfake intimate images. So this is left at state level, and there's been patchwork attempts to put something together that's enforceable, though it's had limited success. And I think more more broadly than that, we need to find a way to get all of these global powers around the table, which certainly should include the US, EU, and China, 
to create an aligned framework or treaty that disincentivizes the creation and propagation of harmful deepfakes and other such malicious AI-generated content. Yeah. And even as I say, I don't think we should be discouraged by the complexity yeah. of that particular task. I mean, in the financial sector, for example, especially with accountancy and, and audit, we already have these stringent rules in place to mitigate traditional fraud or, or greenwashing. I certainly yeah. feel that we should be thinking about how we can copy and paste some of those principles into new guardrails aiming mm. to society from malign content. But you know, ultimately, we've just got to face reality. We're not going to outregulate the fact that bad actors will continue to find new ways to be bad yeah. actors. So organizations actually need to wise up and start building resilience to false narratives and toxic content inclusive of deepfakes. And, you know, disinformation, it dilutes brand equity, it reduces stock prices, it stops people from seeking the right health interventions and staying safe. So organizations need to learn to spot fake content and behaviors early that may actually spike anxieties in their stakeholder mm. base, you know, and influence their life choices, which, of course, also includes buying behavior, investment yeah. decisions, who to vote for, etc. But suffice to say, you know, I'm, I'm happy to go into more detail about this with your listeners if they wish to connect with me on LinkedIn. Perfect. So if you want to give a shout out, if people want to connect with you, where do you think is the best place? If, do you want to give out your email, LinkedIn? Where's the best place for people to connect with you? LinkedIn is 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 always preferred because it feels a little bit more, more intimate. And you can also see some of the content that I produced on this particular topic if it's helpful to you. I'm sure, Ashwini, that you'll put it in the in the show yes. notes. Make it easy to yes. Yes, I'm going to have that in the show notes. I'm going to have your LinkedIn link. Um, but Ajay, really, really appreciate your time, your effort that you took to do all of this. Um, there's a lot that we need to learn. There's a lot that we don't understand. So do you want to just like end with final note that you would want to give to people who are just getting into deep fakes? There was a lot of information on how to protect yourself, how, you know, different categories of people could figure and weed out disinformation, misinformation. So is there anything that you would like to say as a ender, please? Sure. I think there are multiple potential interventions to yeah. disinformation, misinformation and, and deepfakes as a whole. But I think the final point and the most personal point that I can give is just to pick up on something that you mentioned earlier and that is a picture can speak a thousand words mm. right but it's okay not to be triggered by a picture it's important that we just take a breath mm. certainly take a breath before replying if we are prone to writing things on social media or sharing um, yeah. and actually invoke our critical thinking because nine times out of 10, I genuinely believe that if we do stop and think, it will stop a lot of this deep fakery propagating and causing harm. And it's the amplification of deep fakes rather than the creation in themselves that is the problem that we need to sort out. Perfect. All Thank right. you so much. Really? <laughs> you have a good I'll day. see you later. Happy weekend. Take care. You too. Bye. All right, folks, we've reached the end of this episode, but our journey on Take It Easy with Thorvi has only just begun. If you found value in this deep dive into deepfakes, creative potential and risks, 
Please subscribe and leave a review. I'd love to hear your thoughts, questions and suggestions to help steer our future episodes. In the next episode, we'll explore another captivating frontier in the world of artificial intelligence. Trust me, you won't want to miss it. For now, thank you for joining as we peeled back the layers on deepfakes. I appreciate you engaging with this tricky topic. Keep bringing that critical mindset to this technology and discussing it constructively. Our human choices and ethics will shape the deepfakes path ahead. So stay thoughtful, get involved and get ready for more AI discoveries next time. This is your host Ashwini signing off for today. Bye now. So We've covered a whole lot of ground on the winding deepfakes landscape today. Let's take a breath and recap the key points as we approach our final destination. So we broke down how deep learning algorithms like GANs can generate fabricated videos and audios that feel crazily real. It's um, it's nuts how softwares can now impersonate people with such accuracy. Um, we explored creative frontiers opening in films, education and art as deepfakes remove limitations, but also the dangers emerging like disinformation, fraud, consent violations. This tech cuts both ways. Through it all, we've found deepfakes themselves aren't the villains or heroes here. They're just tools. It's how we choose to wield them that matters. Looking ahead, I believe deepfakes will force us to evolve both technologically and societally. We need breakthroughs in authenticating media and early detection of misuse, of course. But we also need more critical digital literacy skills in the masses. Platforms should act swiftly against harmful deepfakes instead of waiting. And smart regulations around disclosure and consent can set norms. But the most important change starts with us. We have to slow down before spreading media, verify facts and sources. Our clicks gave deepfakes their power in the first place, you know. So let's wield our clicks thoughtfully now. Deepfakes show truth and trust face new trials in the 21st century. But with ethical innovation, education and public diligence, we can pass those trials and forge an empowered society. So are you with me? <laughs> Our unified focus starts now. You are listening to Tech It Easy with Torvi 